Welcome to Kenny and the Coaches. This is episode 22. Whether you are a first-time listener or if you are a loyal listener, thank you for stopping by and giving the podcast a try. And today is another episode with not only me and a coach, but with a co-host. Today's co-host is Empire Boys basketball coach, Braden Hill. Coach, thanks for doing the podcast with me today. I appreciate you asking me to come join you guys. I think it'll be fun. Yep. Now, I know what all you've done this summer, but how's the summer been so far? Oh, man, it's been real busy. We uh, we uh, had a 6th and 7th grade in our junior high guys. We went to Apache early, and then next week we went to Chattanooga with our high school and junior high guys, and then the next week we went to Lindsay with our high school guys, and then that weekend we went to uh, Porter Mosher camp with our high school guys, and so it's been it's been a real real busy summer for us so far. But uh, you know, it's been an exciting one to say the least. Yeah, I mean, we got that on top of workouts and golf, and it's uh, it's been a pretty pretty busy summer so far. And it just seems like it's just now getting started, really. Yeah, I know. It's just it's like now we got done with it. Now we're we're starting to ease in, getting into some football stuff and. You know, even we've been trying to keep up our golf game going a little bit, so it, it really has. It's just been seems like there's something going on every day. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it that's good though. Kids need to kind of stay active. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. I think uh, you know, with, with something, you know, whatever we do basketball wise, we got we already kind of got all that stuff done and over with. But it's like now we can ease into a little bit of baseball stuff, and a lot of them, some of them are still golfing and. Some on football, and so you know, I know it's you know a lot for them, but it's very it's good for them to get in a lot of this stuff instead of taking some time off in the summer. I think it's it's important for them to uh, for them to uh, get after it early and then maybe take a you know that time off that we have dead period for a little bit to get away. So yeah. Now our guest today, uh, Coach Grant Gibbons, tell us a little bit about how you know him. So Grant came to Empire. The first year he came to Empire was my first year getting uh, signed on here as an assistant coach. Um, the first coach I worked under as a paid assistant, um, you know, he came out here and he coached the boys for, I believe, about two or three years. I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, great guy, great coach. Um, to this day, I'm still learning a lot from him. And, you know, he, uh, he, uh, he showed me a lot. He showed me. You know, when I first got into coaching, I was very, you know, just yelling a lot. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, as matured yet. And he, he really helped me uh, humble myself quickly. And uh, he showed me a lot of things to kind of get me to mature a little bit faster. And, you know, he just learned a lot from him. And, you know, he uh, he did a great job out here. And obviously where he's at right now, doing a fantastic job with him. So. Yeah. Well, we'll take a quick break and we'll see what we can ask him. Okay, let's do it. All right, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Kenny and the Coaches. If you follow the link I put on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page or on Twitter, which is at Kenny Coaches, you don't have to listen through the Anchor app. You can subscribe to us for free on several podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Now back to the show. 
All right, welcome back, and let's get right into it. Here's our guest today. He is Weatherford Lady Eagle basketball coach Grant Givens. Coach, thanks for talking with us today. Yeah, you bet. Now, uh, have you had a busy summer so far with basketball and all? Yeah, we have. We just uh, we ended our our summer team camp uh, this past weekend at uh, the OU team camp. Oh yeah, we we just went up there on the boys' side. It was. It was pretty tough on our end. I think Coach Hill can attest to that. Yeah, yeah, it's usually usually a tough tough place to go, especially on the boys' side. Yeah. Now, what what was it like going into Weatherford? I mean, the success that you've had there kind of speaks for itself. Was it a situation when you went in that was was it an established program, or did you have to kind of build it up to where it is now? Well, uh, yes. Yes and no. I mean, it was a, it is a, was an established program. I mean, whether for girls basketball since the '90s has, has had a pretty strong tradition um, mm-hmm. in girls basketball. They, um, I mean, since 2005, um, the girls program has been in the state tournament 11 times since yeah. 2005. Wow. You know, um, if you, you know, they've been a total of 14 times. So I mean, they, since nineteen ninety, they've been fourteen times. Wow. So I mean, they they have a pretty strong tradition um, in girls athletics in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I came here, they were they had won um, oh twenty four games, twenty five games the previous year before I had come, but they had not been to the state tournament since two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. And um, they they were making the area tournament, but they just weren't. They weren't ever getting past that point. Yeah. And so, you know, when I came in, the the one thing that I can say when I came in was I just kind of um, redirected our standard as to you know what we wanted to be and what we needed to do to uh, to get to a state tournament because that was that was the goal of the of the girls at that time. Mm-hmm. And they had the talent that they should have been going. And so we just needed to be doing the things necessary to get there. Yeah. Yeah, there is something to – I mean, that, you see a lot of times people, especially like kids in junior high, you know, they're like, oh, this kid, these, this group's going to be really good, and they have the talent when they get into high school. But it's not as easy as what it seems like on the outside. Yeah, you know, you, you would think that that group would just keep going until they get into high school and just keep building onto that, but that's not always the case. Well, the, you know, the situation here at the time was, um, you know, they had the talent. Mm-hmm. It was just the, they were not being, um, oh, a good way, I guess, putting it was they, they were not being set up for the success that they, they should have been being set up for at the time. Yeah. Um, they weren't um, being directed in the right direction at the time. Yeah. And, and that's really, from my standpoint, that was probably the biggest thing that I did. You know, a lot of the things, a lot of things that they, that they needed, they already had. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it's just like with anything, you can have the right ingredients, but if things aren't being, you know, properly added or, or done correctly, it's not going to come out right. That's kind of what was happening. Mm-hmm. Now, which uh, which do you feel has the more pressure, like kind of building a program from ground up, probably a lot like what you did here at Empire, or like maintaining a successful program? I, th- I think they probably both have their – their stresses, but do you think one's a little bit more difficult than the other? Well, I would say when you're building a program, um, there's 
not as much pressure mm-hmm. because the expectation is changing as you're growing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the expectation is usually coming from within. And so I would say there's not as much pressure um, in that situation. Yeah. You know, coming here at the time, um, I would say there probably was pressure, but most of it was, you know, on my part, mm-hmm. you know, me putting applying pressure myself because I knew they had the talent um, and the expectation was there. And so, you know, that first year there was, I, I was relieved when we did make it. Yeah. You know, it was a relief. Yeah. Uh, because I, I did feel that pressure, but it was a, you know, it was a good pressure. Yeah, um, absolutely. At the time. And so, I, I mean, to answer your question, I would say, once you get to a point where you're consistently, you know, winning, yes, you want to, you want to continue that. And it, it is, it's hard to maintain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the pressure part is trying to maintain what you've established as the standard. Yeah. Now, what what how has the community support been for the girls program there at, at, at Weatherford? Well, I mean, athletics in general um, here in Weatherford is, is supported by the community. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at our girls program, and not just in basketball, mm-hmm. but you know, if you look at track, girls track has won the state championship um, four years in a row and would have been five if not for COVID. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, and we'll have a good opportunity to win it next year. Um, you know, so there's a culture of winning, not just within the girls program, but out in the community as well. You know, mm-hmm. the community, and when I say community parents, they, they kind of do what's necessary to get the kids ready um, to compete um, so there's that expectation not just from the school but from you know from the community itself and, and they help by you know getting their kids into little league programs uh, mm-hmm. making sure their their older kids are getting to the weight room in the summertime and making sure they're they're going to team camp and things like that so there's a culture of success um, that, that is being fed by the community which is a, a key part if any school that you can probably look around. Any school that has maintained success for a long period of time, mm-hmm. there's a good possibility that that's the community around it is supporting that. It's not just the school and the coaches and kids. It's yeah, absolutely. The whole community type thing. Now, you kind of mentioned the, the, the weight room part of it. How, how important is that for, for you in basketball? Oh, it's a, I mean, it's a big deal. Um, you know, I can I just speak on behalf of, you know, like my daughter. You know, when we came here, she was just a sixth grader. Well, at that time, they had just started middle school weightlifting in school. Mm-hmm. So we made sure she was in that. And I could tell a huge difference in her by the time basketball season had rolled around. You know, her balance was better. She was able to take, if somebody bumped her, you know, it didn't. she didn't fall down. She was able to absorb it. Yeah. Uh, but it has, it has been a, a key factor, uh, not, again, not just for girls basketball here, but for for other sports as well. Um, it yeah. goes hand-in-hand hand with the, the amount of success that they've had uh, because of the weight room. Coach, I've seen, I seen on Facebook, is that you guys, you said you had 70 girls in there the other day? We have averaged around 70 high school girls in the weight room every day. So what do I need to do to get about that much in uh, boys basketball to get in there, or boys program to get in the weight room? Well, and that's, that's just girls. 
that's not counting boys. I mean, we had 70 to 80 boys in the in the morning session. Good man. We, we we run two sessions, and that's just at the high school. That's not counting middle school. At the middle school, we had another assistant or so girl. Now, do you guys just kind of open it up and give them the option? Is this all them wanting to be there, or how? Yeah. Now there are um, there are some sports that, like on the girls, they require um, you know them to to go to so many. You know, they're required to, to go to so many. Um, but like for me, I don't give a requirement. I I suggest that they go, and I encourage them to go. Um, and I I try to give them the benefits of going. Um, and so a lot of it is on them. Now there are some there are some sports here that do require it, like some of the fall sports, you know, that require it. And, and they keep attendance that they post, so kids can see who's been there and who hasn't. Um, but really, what it comes down to is that it is something that has grown. Uh, they started this five years ago. When they first started, I think they said they had 17 girls come to the very first one, first summer. And it has just grown since then. This wow. is my fourth year. So this is my fourth summer helping with it. And I have seen it grow, you know, since I've been here. And wow. I think what happens is that people come to it and they see success that individuals have had, teams have had, and it just kind of builds. Um, you know, and it's not a, we don't try to turn everyone into power lifters. You know, we try to, we do things that benefit all sports. So it's just something that has, has grown. And again, the community supports it. And, um, you know, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. Yeah, I, I kind of think a lot of times with kids that, you know, they're kind of iffy about weightlifting. They, they think kind of what you were saying about we're not going to turn you into power lifters. We're just doing stuff to try to make you stronger so whenever you're out there on the floor you know you're not getting bumped around like you were saying like your daughter not getting bumped around and falling down you know it's just that this is to benefit you and the sport that you're playing not just to you know be the guy in the gym or the girl in the gym that's all buff and walking around flexing all the time it's for your benefit and I think a lot of kids don't necessarily understand that sometimes right well and, it, and it's a process it's one of those things that if you can get them audience and then when others can see that it's benefiting those individuals mm-hmm. and in turn it starts to benefit the team you know it will grow from there and then another key again a key point of it is is parents buying into it you know uh, that's a key thing and a lot of times it's not always the kid who's not wanting to show up parents finding a reason to not get them there mm-hmm. um so if you can have buy-in from your community, that will help your athletic programs, just like anything else. Yeah. Now you you've gone from from big school at Duncan, the small school here at Empire, and then back to kind of I guess I consider Weatherford a big school. Uh, what are kind of the pros and cons of being in both situations and being in a big school and being in a small school? Well, I mean, I, the positive. Um, I'll tell you some positives and negatives to a small school. Positives are you are in a lot more control of your entire program. You have a lot more hands-on mm-hmm. with your entire program. You know, when, for instance, when I was at Duncan, um, you know, being the high school coach there, I may not ever have any hands-on with those 7th and 8th grade kids unless yeah. I had some sort of camp. Or if I took a day away from my high school practice to go – to one of their practices mm-hmm. 
whereas, you know, at a smaller school like Empire, usually the high school coach is the middle school coach, you know, junior high coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're not coaching them in games, they're probably there for practice. Yeah. Uh, for me, Weatherford is a, is a happy medium. Yes, we're bigger than an Empire, but we're not as big as a Duncan. Mm-hmm. We're kind of kind of in between and so it's, it's kind of a happy medium for me yeah. um it kind of has a small school feel but we have um you know kind of big school facilities and mm-hmm. you know finances are better to where we can do we can do some things that maybe i wasn't able to do other than Empire. yeah um and then i still have a little bit of hands-on with my middle school i'm a little closer to it than i was when i was at a duncan yeah so for me a you know 3a 4a type school is, is kind of a happy medium you know, where you get you get some benefits of both, and the negatives aren't aren't as big of a negative as they might be at a at a big school. You know. Yeah, that was kind of. I've always kind of thought that. I remember when I was first getting into coaching. You know, I kind of had this dream. I'm start out in this small school, and then get to, you know, it's kind of get up to the 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 big leagues. You know, and I always right. kind of once I kind of started watching it, I was like, I don't know if I necessarily. I, I'm kind of I like. As a, as a head coach, I always kind of like being involved in all the programs. Like if I was the head boys basketball coach, I wanted to have my hands on all the groups, not just occasionally seeing right. them. That, that was kind of a, a turnoff for me on that. I kind of liked the idea of being able, you know, the, the middle school kids will actually be coached by me, not just know me from seeing a high school game. You know, that's right. I think that's probably uh, – one of the bigger things that I've always kind of thought was a con of, I mean, it's almost like at a, at a bigger school, it's almost like you're a, like a CEO, you know, and you have assistant coaches and other head coaches that you better make sure you're on the same page. So it always seemed like it right. was a little bit more. Yeah, of a, you did. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you definitely have to rely on other people and hope that they, they are doing what, whatever it is you may be asking them to do or that they're, that they're working hard. Yeah, working hard for your, for your program, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm fortunate here. I, I get to have hands-on with the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way our schedule is set up, I can be with the seventh grade. Uh, so really the only group I don't see is, is our eighth grade group in regards to practice. Uh, mm-hmm. But every other every other group I'm able to be with in some way. So, yeah. so it's not a, bad, not, not a bad deal. Yeah. Now, I mean, you, you guys have been in the state tournament several years since you've been there. What what do you think it's going to take for you to get the Lady Eagles kind of over that hump and winning a state title? Well, I mean, I think I think the things that we do will eventually give us that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been we've been very close the last two years. Uh, uh, you know, the year before last was probably um, probably one of our better opportunities, and it was a game we just didn't play. It wasn't our best game in the semifinal. You know, where the team we played played a really good game, and you know we didn't play as well. And then the season before may have been our best opportunity in regards to the, our team makeup, and that was the COVID year. Um, yeah, you know, we didn't get to play that that state tournament. But, uh, no, I mean, I think what we're doing will give us, eventually give us, give us the opportunity of getting to the final. Um, of course, you can always become more well-rounded offensively, and mm-hmm. there's always things you can improve on, and we'll continue to, to try to do those things. But I think 
I think, um, you know, the things that we're doing, the basic things that we're doing, um, eventually they'll start paying off and give us opportunities in the final. Now, Coach, I don't, I don't know if you guys – I can't remember. I keep up with your guys' schedule a lot. Do you guys run into the, any issue? And what's your opinion on the separation of uh, private schools and public schools? And have y'all ran into any issues where you feel like, you know, y'all ran into a team and that, that's what kind of held you back from taking that extra step? And what's your opinion on it? Well, we've um, last year was the first year we did not play um, a private school in the playoffs. I don't think we ever met any of the privates. Um, we, um, out of the two previous years, we got beat by interest in the area final. And then the next year we got beat by one point by Holland Hall in the last second. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, I have, I mean, I've been beaten by a few privates, but I've also beaten a few also. Um, so, I mean, I understand why people uh, the privates being in the play, especially in the playoffs. I, I don't mind the privates so much in regular season, um, but I do think that there, there needs to be one of a few things happen. Uh, either the, the privates need to be, if everything stays the way it currently is, then the privates need to be in their own their own classification come playoff time. Or, in my opinion, um, they need to be playing under the same rules that public schools play for. Because I just know that if I have a kid that transfers here from Clinton that does not live in Weatherford School District, they have to sit out a year. Yeah. Well... Um, any kid that goes to a private school, as far as I know, private schools don't have districts. Yeah. So because they don't have districts, kid can live anywhere in Oklahoma City and, and go to any private school in Oklahoma City and they don't have to sit out. Uh, so either we need to give them some sort of school district or they're playing on the same field that I'm playing on or, you know, we need to separate them come playoff time. Um, yeah. But that's kind of my, that's just my opinion of it. And, and again, I may be wrong. Maybe they do have some sort of district uh, that, that kids have to live so far from the school. I, I don't know. But uh, I just know that if if everyone's not playing under the exact same rules, then, you know, something needs to be adjusted. Yeah, we definitely, the two, I mean, the more so superior teams that we, we came across this, this summer were, were private schools. And, I mean, it's just, you know, obviously they're they're a lot bigger schools than they we were. I think we played two three A schools, but I mean they're just their level of competitiveness was just hands and feet above you know almost anybody we even played. And we played you know some bigger schools with Plainview and Chickasha, and you know it's still just those those private schools are just hands and feet. I mean it's just tough to compete. And I know that uh, Marlowe's ran into an issue with them a couple of times, and you know it's just. This one of those deals, man, it's just so tough to go compete with somebody who has access to, you know, female, and I guess just in blunt words, to recruit players when, you know, when we have a player that may be interested in playing for a program here, you know, they can move in, but like you said, they're going to have to sit out a year, so it's, you don't get anything like that, so. Right. Yeah, right. And, and it is tough for you because anytime. Uh, a 3A private school has success in 3A and if they, you know, make the finals or, or whatever, they get bumped up to 4A. So eventually we, we see them. And, uh, and 4A's had several of those. Um, 
you know. So yeah, I mean, it, it is tough. It makes it makes things tougher. Um, but that's kind of my opinion. You know, either either we need to need to make sure that everyone's playing under the same conditions, or uh, we need to adjust things come playoff time. Yeah. Now, to your program, when someone plays Weatherford. What do you want the opposing teams or coaches to kind of say about your program? What do you kind of want your calling card to be? Well, the, I mean, one of the things is, is I, you know, I hope they walk away and one of the first things they think is how hard the kids played, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think we've been successful with that for the most part. I've been here. And another thing is, is, you know, I want them to feel like that regardless of what they tried to do offensively, we were prepared for it. Mm-hmm. You know, we work real hard on, on being prepared going into every game. You know, and we work on a lot of different things on our defense and, our, and half court to be prepared for for whatever teams may do. So one of the things is, you know, I hope people walk away and feel as though that we were prepared for whatever it was they tried to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, th- and those are probably the two biggest things. Is, you know. I, I want people to recognize that our kids play hard and that they defend. You know, and, uh, yeah. I think overall we've been uh, successful with that for the most part. Now that kind of goes into my next question. Which one? Uh, I think I know the answer, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. Which one do you think is more vital, more important to a team, good offense or good defense? Well, I mean, if you want to be successful for long term, if you, if you go to the state tournament every year, There'll be some of the same teams there every year, mm-hmm. or most every year. And what's consistent with those teams is, you know, their half-court defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you play really good half-court defense, you're going to have a chance to, to have success. Um, and so I would definitely say defensively, um, it's more important to be a, a defensive team as opposed to an offensive team. Uh, those are the teams that typically are, are more successful over long periods of time. You know, yeah. Now, you'll have teams that are, are really good offensive teams. You know, they'll make runs, but I think at the end of the day, the teams that, that can play the best half-court defense are the teams that, that win. Yep, yep, I would agree Coach, with that. Oh, go ahead, Coach. Coach, you, you, still run, you still run UConn over there? No, we haven't ran that in a while. You haven't? <laughs> well, no, great. McCray's been trying to get it brained in my head that that's, that's what we need to run. You got it just brainwashing his head. That's, he just remembers that he can go out there and run it right now. Yeah, no, we haven't, uh, we haven't ran that since I've been here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, McCray yeah. mentioned something about it, and we actually we, we run some very – I mean, it's basically the exact same thing. It just moved up a little bit. But he was asking me about that the other day, and he goes, or I guess he, we were watching one of your games online in the state tournament. And he had mentioned about it, and he'd asked me if that was what you just ran or something like that, and it didn't look like it, but yeah, I thought no, that was funny that he, he still remembered it. Oh, that's funny. No, we, we haven't run anything like that since I've been here. No. We may run we may run an action or something that's similar to it at times. but Right. But, no, we haven't ran that in a while. Are you a coach that's big on running a lot of sets? Uh, I am actually not. Mm. Um now, throughout the season, we will practice, you know, I don't know, it varies. I mean, we'll have anywhere from six to ten sets that we will that we practice throughout the season. And, and there's, you know, three or four of them that 
um, you know, or easy sets that I like to run, you mm-hmm. know, just to maybe change it up a little bit, or maybe we just need a quick look, you know, get an easy basket or something. Um, I try to teach, um, I try to teach my team to, you know, read the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we run more of a dribble drive type offense. So a lot of our offense is based off, off read and taking whatever the defense is giving us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we really concentrate on floor spacing and moving without the ball, you know, things like that. Um, now, again, we'll, we'll run a set on occasion, um, you know, if we need to look or change a pace or something. But, uh, you know, that's probably one thing that I as a coach need to improve on. Uh, there's probably times where we need to run a set. And uh, I try to let our offense work, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, more, of a, more of a, you know, keep our spacing and take what the defense has given us. Do you do you think, it seems like we noticed this this summer on the boys' side, do you think the majority, not, probably not the majority, do you think a lot of teams are doing like a dribble drive base type offense? I think a lot of teams try to run that, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a popular thing to do right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I, it's something that's not for every program. I'm able to do it here because I have, overall, my teams are relatively skilled. I'm mm-hmm. able to do it. And, you know, for the most part, we're athletic and we're able to space the floor with shooters and things. So I have the team makeup to be able to do it. Um, you know, teams I've had in the past, um, I wouldn't have been able to run an offense like that and have, you know, a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's an offense. You know, or philosophy that yes, you can do and it can be taught, um, but you just have to make sure you have the right team makeup to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, now, you know, like when I was at Empire, I, you know, we would do a version of it at times where we would, you know, I think I called it four cut, where we would just, you know, pass and just get ball movement. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we get a easy look here and there, um, but I didn't have as many reads and things off of it. But I think it just depends on your on your team, but yes, a lot of people do run it or run versions of it, you know, different versions of motion and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. You know, people do try to run it. Um, I don't think that it always gets coached very well, um, but people do. It's kind of a popular thing to try to run right now. Yeah. Now, what, uh, I mean, you've coached both sides, boys and girls. What, 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 do you, what would you say the biggest difference between coaching boys and coaching girls basketball? I would say one thing, you know, um, girls, you know, are very, I don't want to I don't know if the, the right word is that they're more coachable than boys, mm-hmm. but they are more likely to do what you, uh, what you ask them to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, now they may, um, they may not vary off of that very mm-hmm. much, where a boy, you can tell the same thing. Maybe they do about half what you told them and half what they want to do. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so it's kind of, yes, I would say that's probably the biggest difference. Um, I would also say girls are a little more, I don't know if self motivated is the right word, but their effort level is naturally there more so than boys. Boys, I felt like I had to be, I had to be harder on to get them to play hard. 
Yeah. For girls, I don't feel like I have to do that. I just have to give them the expectation. And when they're not meeting that expectation, you know, I can let them know that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, and they usually, you know, improve on that. Um, so that's one thing, too, I've noticed, you know, between the two. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they both have their, their pluses and minus. You know, there's things that I could do in boys' basketball that maybe – you know, we couldn't do it. We may not be, might not be able to do as much as in, in girls. Yeah. You know? uh, as far as different types of, you know, not so much defensively, but like just floor spacing on offense. You know, boys, you can really space the floor because they're able to, they can pass over the top better sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, just things like that. Yeah. But there's pluses and minus to both. You know, the boys' game is a hostile game. You know, girls' basketball can, can be slower at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. But boys, the boys' game is a faster game, which, which um, you know, I like that part of it. So. Coach, there's, there's been some talks of a of a shot clock. Do you, what do you think about that? What's your opinion on it? Our level. Oh, uh, I mean, again, that's something I can see positives and negatives to. You know, I've, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. I've had good teams. I've had bad teams. I would say if I was a, a coach on a team that's not really good, I don't know that I would want to stop. Um, you know, because here's the deal: if if I'm playing somebody who's really good, you know, if I'm playing, if I'm if I'm somebody, you know, say I'm a girls coach and I'm not really good, and I'm going to play Weatherford, and I don't want a clock <laughs> uh, to give them the ball every thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be forced to have to throw up a bad shot and then go get a layup out of it. Or, you know, so the problem with that would be the teams that aren't very good and they're playing really good teams, the scores are going to be a lot more lopsided. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, unless teams just pull, you know, pull the ball out, you know, and they intentionally don't score. But people don't, you know, people aren't going to want to see that. No. You know, and, and no coach is going to want to teach their kids to pull the ball out when there's six minutes left in the fourth quarter, you know. <laughs> True. So, anyway, I mean, there's pluses and minuses to it. You know, the final play that we closed, a 30-second shot clock wouldn't bother us. Yeah. You know, we're, we're probably getting a shot off within that time anyway. Um, so, the way we play it wouldn't bother us. But there there are some I can see where some coaches would not be would not be interested in that. You know, for our level, for scoring, it probably wouldn't affect us much. Um, but I could see where small school, uh, you know, there'd be a lot of pushes against that. And I would understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of a, I, I've been, I've been asked about it a couple of times and I, I don't know. I'm kind of a big fan of it, you know, in a way, I think it, I think a lot of times, you know, in class A, I see a lot of teams, you know, that may not be as, you know, there's, teams that are real skilled that speed the game up a lot and then you know a couple of teams that are skilled but they really slow the game down a lot run a lot of sets and I've seen teams you know past couple of years you know make the state tournament just because they really I mean they'll take a minute 30 seconds off the clock you know every other possession down the floor and so you know the, the nice thing is I, I think it's fun to watch a game that's you know real sped up and um, and more so, and I'm talking more so for our class, but uh, I, 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 would, I would like to see it kind of get sped up. And, you know, I would like for coaches and players, you know, because a lot of them, if players go to the next level, you have to, I mean, you got to learn how to play with the shot clock. 
And so you, then you start running two-for-one opportunities and, you know, what's a good foul and in the shot clock, what's a bad foul, and all that stuff. And then you start talking about do you get rid of the five-second rule? You know, if there's 35 seconds on the clock, you know, I can hold the ball for the whole – can you hold the ball for the whole 30 seconds or you still, do you still have the five-second rule? If somebody's on you, you get five seconds to do something with it. Right. And so, so, I don't know. I, 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 I've, people have asked me about it, and I've, I've kind of been in between, but I think I like the idea of it. You know, I think, like you said, it would be it would really struggle for teams that aren't very competitive and that are going to play a very fast-paced team, you know, that get up and down the floor and you know, get a lot of shots up. You know, it would struggle for them. But, you know, on the other side of things, you know, it's you have to slow the game down if, in different ways, I guess. So, Right. Well, it's... Again, it would change the strategy of the game. And um, for some levels of basketball, it would not be a, it would not be a positive. Right. Um, yeah, there would be more possession um, and there would be more shots and things like that. But, um, you know, again, it, it would definitely change the game, especially for, for a lot of smaller schools. It would, it would definitely change the game. Now, Coach, before I let you go, I'm uh, uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk with us. Um, you, before I let you go, do you have any Coach Braden Hill stories you can tell on on the podcast? I'm his favorite assistant he's ever had. That's the only thing he's got for Braden Hill stories. <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't know. I think basketball related. If I, have basketball, <laughs> I don't think I have any funny ones basketball related. Nothing to get fired, coach. No, there's <laughs> one. There's one football one. And you'll know. You'll probably know where I'm going. But um, there was one day we were painting the field, and uh, we put a double number out there. I don't remember if it was a 50 yard line. So we had two 50 yard lines, or what happened? But we had a double. We had a double 10 yard mark out there one time. I think that was a break kill. We had to go find some green paint and, uh, <laughs> and uh, fix it up. I don't remember what yard line it was. But Coach, I've got paint. Do what? That was my old strategy. Now I'll never have to paint anymore. Oh, there you go. Yeah, if you get bad at it, they won't ask you to do it again. Yeah, yeah I just want to say things hadn't changed, I don't guess. Uh, yeah, I would say that's probably one of the, one of the better ones that I have on him. <laughs> I think I can't remember if it was a 50-yard line or what it was. But we had a double... <laughs> It was a fifty-yard line because I we were getting we were we, we, we were getting to a rhythm. We we're just grabbing the numbers and going, and I yeah. just did not think. And I just picked up the fifty because we started down there on the we started down there at the ten. We worked ourselves up. My boy, I did. I just grabbed the fifty and I went to the forty with it. I just set yeah. it right down. And whoever it was was painting. I don't know. They're just in the. I mean, they were just in the zone, I guess. And sure enough, we got to looking back, and we did. We had two fifty-yard lines. How, yeah. how in the world do you do that? Oh, we just, we, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that's probably one of my best ones, probably. Yeah. Yeah, well, Coach, I appreciate you joining us, and uh, good luck on the upcoming season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for inviting uh, me on. Big thanks to Coach Braden Hill for stepping in as co-host, and we will have more of these types of episodes in the future. 
And another big thanks to Coach Grant Givens for being on the podcast today, and best of luck to him and the Lady Eagles this upcoming season. And thank you for listening to Kenny and the Coaches. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to my podcast and tell others about it. It's Kenny and the Coaches. That's Kenny with an E. Until next time.